Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Hey guys, today on An Actor Despairs, we have an incredibly exciting episode with actor James Scully. You know him from You. He played 40. He was incredible on that. He was also in Heathers, but we're here to talk about Fire Island today. He is in this new movie, and it blew my mind, and it's incredible, and it's it's a beautiful film, and I highly recommend you watch it. It's available on Hulu before listening to this episode, but I am so grateful to James Scully for coming on, giving back, opening up about his journey and his experiences, and I'm so proud of him. He's got so much amazing things and stories, an outstanding guy, great actor, and just so beautiful and honest about queer culture and what it means to make it in this business and representation. Here it is. James Scully, welcome to An Actor Despairs. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, man. It's so great. Awesome outfit. I Thank feel. you. Yeah, much yeah. better style than me. This No, are you kidding? We're both doing... My approach has been sort of like, what would I wear if I was actually on Fire Island? That's been like a fun <laughs> way to dress for press for the movie. And I think we're both giving versions of that. Yeah, amazing, man. Yeah. Um, Dude, you're incredible in that movie. And, <laughs> you know, you so I, I, I originally discovered you and you, and I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure that's probably where a lot of people discovered you. I, yeah. I and so. you're so good in that show. And I, Thank you, I, man. I, I often so talk sweet. about this on the podcast, how hard it is to kind of come in at, in an established show, be a new character, mm. and one that's kind of like on the outs with the protagonist, a spoiler. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but have people love you, and yeah. you are so incredible in that. And... Watching you, Victoria, and Penn, it was just that – I love that season. It was yeah. really great. I got really lucky with the people I got to work with on that season. I mean, I the show is going to continue running, and I am i can't wait to see the fourth season. I'm sure it's going to be incredible. But I do They're feel – They're shooting in London right now, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, shooting in London as Paris, I believe. Is ah, the, uh, got is, it. I think he's in Paris now, Joe is, um, which makes sense. City yeah. of Love. yeah. He's he's big on love, Joe. Is. <laughs> Maybe too big on love, actually. But anyway, I'm really happy that I was in the season that I was in. No shade to the other seasons. You know, Victoria, Carmela. Yeah. I love so, so, so much. And Charlie Barnett. It really was like wall-to-wall all-stars. And so, yeah, it was just like such a fun experience. And, and, and then now with Fire Island, man, it's like, you know, it, it's interesting for me because I'm, I'm straight. Mm-hmm. And so, like, watching content, you know— I always love great stories, and I knew Matt a little bit because I came up with. Uh, do you know Dave Mazzoni? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we went to NYU together. Oh. I knew Dave when he was straight, and oh. he had, <laughs> but he had Britney Spears photos on his wall. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always yeah. it's a journey, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Shout out Dave Mazzoni; yeah. he's the best. But uh, man, you're so good in that, and and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great story, mm-hmm. and that character, you know, is it was really interesting comparing that to to forty, you know, and yeah. they're just so different, and it just is a testament to your acting. So I'm really excited to talk to you. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, what a, what a warm, welcoming introduction. I appreciate that. So if it's cool, you know, I always like to start at the beginning. Sure. Where did you grow up? I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. Wow. Yeah. What. I mean, given the news and everything going on, what was that like? It was not as, you know, I think, yeah, because of the, like, ever-evolving political situation in that state, it's definitely, like, people have a preconception of what living there must be like, what the people who live there must be like. Um, San Antonio, though, 
is the Alamo, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's part of that is part of the city. Yes, yeah. Um, is really really rich in Mexican culture, and there's a lot of like first generation, second generation Mexican people who live there. Oh, sick! Yeah, well, Perez. Have you yeah. ever been to San Antonio? I have. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. and I think. Growing up in San Antonio, it's like a very culturally diverse place. And don't get me wrong, there are definitely people who live there of every like race and creed who I think probably feel very attached to the conservative values that conservative values yeah. that Texas is known for yeah. on like a national stage. But there's also a lot of people who aren't like we very nearly went blue in our last Senate race. I remember that. Yeah. That's, that's the margin now. And I think that there are a lot of people who live there who are committed to a, a diverse Texas that is welcome, welcoming to everyone. And I think that's reflected in like, I know a lot of entertainment people that are leaving one of the coasts because post COVID they're sort of like where I live is incidental yeah. and I don't want to live it's in Los Angeles tapes. or New York yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of them are moving to Austin uh, yeah. because they're like, Texas is sort of becoming this new, and especially there's no Austin. income tax, right? In Texas. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I should know how that works. File your company there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it might be that cynical, uh, but it's, yeah, I don't know. When I tell people I'm from Texas, they're like, whoa. A lot of preconceptions. And I'm like, yeah, yeah but not really, and especially not San Antonio. I I stand in firm defense of San Antonio as a city, and I, you know, the, like, oh, did you ride horses to school? It's like, no, I rode in my parents' car. Yeah. Like, don't be ridiculous. Totally. Go Spurs Go, breakfast tacos. Yeah, it was a really fun Barbecues, place to grow. some good yeah. – yeah. I didn't get into barbecue when I was living in Texas, weirdly enough. Um, again, because in San Antonio, like – Mexican food and the intersection of Tex-Mex, the culinary intersection of Tex-Mex is like so hugely popular that I feel like that was a bigger tradition in our family than like going to a a barbecue place. Like speaking of the Alamo, there was this place called the Alamo Cafe that we used to go all of the time and it was just amazing. There was this area in the kitchen where you could see them making the tortillas. Anyway, many happy memories there. Also something about that state that I was really important looking at it in my journey as an actor is like, that attitude that people know about Texas of, like, everything bigger, everything better really is a part of the culture in that state. And that translates into the theater that is done there. There's so many big, successful theaters in Texas. Texas is a state that even as sort of, like, queer and liberal as theater as an art form tends to be, yeah. um, Texans love it. And I think, you know, my access to, like, a sound acting and arts education was very much because I lived in Texas. I think people's attitudes towards like young people doing theater and like cultivating young people as stars, like so many of the people I went to college with, so many of your favorite entertainers and musicians and performers are from Texas. And I think because that's because that's a state where they're like, go for it. Like whatever you're going to do, if it's like, and you know, that situation evolved while I lived there. When I was in high school, there was a lot of like proposed. Like, well, well, tell me, what did your parents do? How did this like Im- imperative to get into the arts happen? Talk to me about So that. actually my parents, so my mother's an English professor and my father served in the Air Force for 35 years. Oh, wow. Um, and okay. now does sort of like a civilian contractor job in conjunction with the Air Force. And my mother's still an English professor. And actually, I think ultimately super supportive. And one of the nice things, one of the things I often reflect on about my success. Hi, mom and dad, if you see this. Shout out. 
is it's sort of like, it feels nice to be like, yeah, you, you did all the driving, you paid for all the classes, you bought me the tap shoes and the jazz shoes and the costumes and you, you know, you paid for voice lessons and now I'm a successful film and television actor. Yeah. So like, I feel certainly they, they must feel like it was worth the investment of their time and energy. Of course. But they were nervous at first. They were sort of like, especially when I started applying to college, they were like, a BFA seems like it might be pretty Risky, limiting. Yeah. Um, what if you got a BA? What if you, like, I don't know, what if you tried to get a, a subminer? And then, I don't know. I think at some point they just saw that, like, I had my head in the game and this wasn't something I was sort of, like, flippantly doing. It was something that I was passionate about it sounds you know. like it was musical theater that you guys yeah actually okay. that's where she started okay yeah it's that's where it began and then when i i went to college for that you know what, even though do you mind saying no what? audubon university okay. audubon university great liberal arts university in ohio for a bfa yes for a bfa in, for, in, in musical, musical theater. theater wow the very same you know i'm not like currently really actively using the skills of singing and dancing but i do think it was really good for my development as a person that i did that for 4 years 8 years really including high school cuz you went to a performing arts high school yes wow um uh went to school for that and then got to the city being new york city yeah being yeah. new york city sorry one of these cities was there this a, city being new york city was there a showcase um, program built in there was a showcase program built in how did that go um actually pretty well i mean i'll say this uh for any like young musical theater performers acting performers who end up listening to this like so much pressure is put on those showcases it's and the it, end of your fourth year yeah. and it all kind of leads and it can feel like that's your gateway into having a career or not having a career yeah. the stakes can be so so high don't do that to yourself you will have other opportunities that's a great one i hope you have fun but like it doesn't need to be <laughs> i just remember the the frenzy that some of us got into around that time in college and it's it's just not worth it so do your best and have fun and be authentically you but don't break yourself over the coals about your college showcase and and when you envisioned working in the dream was mm -hmm. it musicals was that where you saw yourself yeah i mean Yes, honestly, I think, and it's funny to say this now, but at the time I was like, well, I'm, I could never be on film and television. That's for like, I don't know, like preternaturally beautiful people. I don't know. I just didn't see that for myself. And it's funny. I think a lot about my friend Lizzie Wilde. Hi, Lizzie Wilde, who we went to school together. Love her. Such a talented performer. And she would tell me when we were in college, she, can, she would be like, you know, I, I can really see you being in film and television. And I was like, that's so nice of you, but I don't. <laughs> we're not experiencing reality in the same way. I guess I just thought of that right now. And Lizzie, thanks for believing in me. <laughs> Shout out Lizzie. Shout out Lizzie. But yeah, no, it was definitely musical theater. And I love musical theater. And more importantly, I love live theater in general. Yeah. The singing in school and the dancing, again, so glad I did it. But it was always about like the acting for me. And I do miss plays, man. I would love to get back on the stage. You have so much more autonomy as an I, actor. I, uh, do you know yeah. Corey Campertrolli? I, he's friends with Dave. Okay, I'm, I'm sure great, he, great, yeah, great. Yeah. seen him probably yeah, on social yeah. media. I took him to see this play, Which Way to the Stage. Did you? Oh, yeah. I, I, I think I missed she it. She just it's did close, the show. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. It was, I think you would have loved it. I, yeah. I think so. Hopefully, My friend, it, Paul McGill choreographed it. Yes, I believe. he did. Yes, yeah, yeah you know, Paul? Oh, that's awesome. And I, I'm, I'm curious, you know, because like, 
talk to me. I think we're pretty much the same age. You know, mm-hmm. growing up in Texas, we we hinted on it earlier. There is this like cliche conservative stereotype. Mm-hmm. You know, and and coming into your own as as an artist and and with your identity, did that not happen till college, or did that? It happened actually because I went to a performing arts high school. It happened my junior year of high school. If you're okay with talking, yeah, about it. I absolutely am. Yeah, um, and that's you know. I totally respect some people's desire to be more private about those things. Yeah. I just want to be clear about that. But yeah, I don't I I think for me, just for me, it's important to be transparent about that stuff because there are children in Texas experiencing that painful yeah. transitional period right now. And they still so, do conversion therapy in that state, I believe. Yeah, right? they Which still do horrible. a lot of I mean there's some social conversion therapy happening and that like people are very unchill about it still sometimes. High school was like a very I was very lucky. I was very, very lucky that, A, something that happened my sophomore year of high school was that my sister came out to our family. And then I think it was sort of just a matter of time after that. I Eventually, I reached a point in my junior year of high school where there were so many uh, queer people around me and there was – you know, out, a, out or – Yeah. yeah well, and it was a yeah. musical theater program. It's beautiful. And I, it was. Yeah. And honestly, there were – every time somebody came out, I could feel myself gripped by this – very deep emotion that it was like, wow, I don't even know that person. But speaking from the experience I'm having now as a closeted kid, like when I was a a freshman and a sophomore, just knowing like how brave they had to be to do that. And just, you know, yeah. And so eventually I just reached a point in junior year where I was like, I don't, I know that my family, you know, observing my parents and my brother's response to my sister, I know that my family will handle this with grace eventually and I also have so many friends that I think are just, like, ready and waiting because, look, I was not fooling anybody. Pretty much starting from fifth grade to when I came out. You're the glass like, closet, so to speak. Yeah. Oh, that's a fantastic <laughs> – like, yeah, that's yeah. a great way to say it. Yeah, I, yeah. Which I kind of resent in retrospect a little bit because it's like – I don't know. Still, I don't think – that I think in retrospect was the most frustrating thing that I let people do was it's it's hard when you're like, well, the first person who identified my queerness or brought my queerness into the conversation was a straight person and they were doing it hatefully. Oh, it was and I wish yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish that I hadn't like you know, if I could change I reflect a lot on if I could go back and change something, I just would have taken a lot less shit. Yeah. Because once I took ownership of the label of gay, it was like he, then people couldn't really use that as an insult anymore because it was like, yes, you have noticed and described what I am. Congratulations. Your Peabody is incoming. Like I wish that I had clapped back a little bit more, but of course I had so much shame attached to it. Even after coming out, there was still a period of time where I was working very hard to make myself like a palatable gay person to the straight people around me. What, um, you actually perfectly led me into, into my question, and, and part of the reason I asked is because I'm an actor, mm-hmm. and I went to NYU BFA program, yeah. and speaking of court, you know, when I was there, they were essentially telling – I went to Strasbourg. Mm-hmm. They were telling all the kids, like, you have to learn to play straight or yeah. you're never going to fucking work, yeah. you yeah. know? And yeah. I'm curious if, if – especially because, like, Ohio, known to be conservative, while you were getting your BFA, was mm-hmm. that – you know, it can be obviously different in musical theater, and I don't, I'm not trying to make a stereotype out of no, saying that. I but, think we get what you're saying. Yeah. But 
do you feel like they were kind of saying that in some ways without maybe being so overt? No. Obviously, musical theater makes, I think, more space for queer characters. I think it's ahead of the curve on that relative to film and television. I do think something that happened in college, and this no one was doing this venomously, but and something that happens to you a lot when you're a gay person is it's not so much the denigration of being of when you're feminine, but it's definitely that people reward you when they feel like you're performing masculinity correctly. So there was definitely a thing where it was like when I would play a very butch straight character, whatever the fuck that even means, there was definitely a sense of like, oh yeah, good. Yeah, this is good because you're, you're, you're stretching you know, yourself. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, because yeah, PTSD. Yeah. You, well, no, you play yeah. you play gay characters as a gay person, and people are like, "I oh, see, so you're just playing yourself." Yeah. And it's like, would you ever fucking say that to a straight? Anyway, don't get, don't even get me started. Yeah. No, um, I totally agree. It's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like you're supposed to like, and it, it is hard sometimes when you're like, okay, so really, I'm playing two characters. I'm playing myself as a straight person, which is really just buying into like a very limited coding of behavior it's like straight men act all sorts of different kinds of ways and then on top of that then you're also supposed to be playing that straight character for whoever like they are in the universe of the play you know i played straight in college and i think i i don't know it didn't come up overtly a lot i guess i did have maybe some of my like male acting teachers were like you are gonna have to like butch it up when you get out there but which i don't I, i hope would not happen now it's better now, but I have been lately playing characters where that like performance of heterosexuality is not something I have to worry about. If it's cool, let's uh, just so I can keep like yeah. a, th- a three act structure, if you will. <laughs> how do you, how, you got to New York? Talk yeah. to me about. Did you get rep at the showcase? I did actually. It, my friend who went to Otterbein, Abby Berger. Hey, Abby. Ended up, like, bringing the head agent at her agency to the showcase, and then they saw me, and then they signed me. And at the time, I don't think either of us anticipated what the fruits of that labor would be. And that made you move to New York versus L.A.? No, I always was going to move to New York because, oh, okay. again, I thought uh, me, theater was going to be the thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I moved to the city. And then I didn't – I did a play right out of college that was fun and educational – um, Can you say what it was? Yeah, it was called De Erkalinga, and it was about the Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, who were the perpetrators of the Columbine massacre. Oh, I did the Columbinist. Yeah, yeah. it's funny because anytime I say that I did a play about Columbine, they're like, the Columbinist? And it's yeah. like, no, yeah. um, a different one. And that was um, a really cool, surreal first job experience. Downtown theater or like um, a theater row? Oh, in okay. the East 4th one, Street in East Village? No, the one on 42nd, I believe. Oh, okay, got it, got it, okay. And it was really cool because it was off-Broadway. I got my equity card, which felt like, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it's actually happening. Then I didn't work for two years. How did you navigate that time? I became a cycling instructor. And honestly, if you're an actor living in New York City and you're like, what do I do before I start working steadily enough as an actor to only do that – Fitness instruction, working in fitness, being an instructor. Anything that's not serving or bartending. Which a lot of nobility in both of those careers as well. And if that's – those are things that you have the patience and feel like you're good at and you want to do, go for it. But if you're an actor and you're like, I need to concentrate my day into like two 45-minute classes and not an eight-hour shift so I can be available for auditions. I need something to kind of like keep me spry. 
I just, I think finding a day job is hard and painful and confusing for performers sometimes because we know in our hearts that that's not what we're, course, we want to be doing. Yeah, it's the problem. Not to sound, you know, yeah. like petulant or childish. Everybody has to work and earn. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Group fitness instruction was really a good thing for me. So if you're looking so for – So it kept you happy during that time. It kept me happy. It kept me, you know, just like focused on, on wellness. I, I really believe that like eschewing any focus on like looking a certain way, just being active and using your body and celebrating your body every day is a, is a good thing for people yeah. to do as they're able to. Yeah, it just mostly kept me busy for two years. And then I did the next stop, I guess, the next big stop. Also, actually, I shouldn't go without saying that the people that I worked with at Swerve, particularly Diane, who is the head instructor there. Does it still exist, Swerve? Uh, yeah, they are now in a partnership with Crunch Gyms. Okay. So you can take Swerve classes like virtually and I think in person at Crunch Gyms. But Diane, who's the head instructor at Swerve, everybody – it was a very mutually that, – that was a community of people that really like believed I was going to be a successful actor. They were like, we believe in you. We support you. Like you got this. And in between – like in between Heather's and you, I went back and worked at Swerve for like another year and a half. So yeah, I just want to like note them as definitely a community. Jamie, Diane, the founders, people who really supported me in my life as, a, as an actor. And during that time, is that when the film TV – like auditioning started happening. So I did these two Outback Steakhouse commercials. Nice. Yeah, actually it was. At the time, I SAG cuz I, I know yes. they're often not uh, anymore. Actually non-union, but like I think as I remember, or I wasn't in the union yet, so they had to hire me as a non-union actor, but they were very generous. Got it. They like flew me to South Beach, Miami. I stayed in the Chic Hotel. At that time in my life, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm a fucking the rock dream. star." Yeah, 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 yeah. And then seeing myself in the commercials, this sounds so dumb, especially given what my resume has been since then, but I was like, "You actually look pretty okay on camera and you're like kind of i don't know you did two of these outback steakhouse commercials and as silly as it sounds i think even though it was ridiculous at the time and we all recognized that it was ridiculous that i was like in these this like campaign of outback steakhouse commercials that sort of then led into me booking my first big television job which, um, is Heather's, which was Heather's. Right. yeah how did that come your way I just got to tape for it, and the musical, I mean, the movie's a classic, we love it, but the musical had recently been in its heyday in New York City, and I loved the musical, and something that a lot of the people I met with out of Showcase had said to me, because it was a show that was running at that time, was like, you would be such a good JD in Heather's the Musical, which, no, I wouldn't, I couldn't sing it with a gun to my head, but... Then seeing that I was going to get to audition for the television show, I was like, oh, I gotta nail this, so I just worked really hard on the self-tape, I, like, got a call back... And it was funny because this was like happening while I was also really deep in callbacks for this play that I really wanted to do. And it was just an exciting moment in my life. I remember pacing the hallways of the uh, rehearsal studio where the play was auditioning and just feeling like... Ripley Greer? No. no. It was a different one. Oh, okay. That's name I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. And just feeling like something is about to happen. I feel that something is you about to happen. You felt momentum. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. And then they flew me out and I tested for Heather's, which was like such a wild... Like for the network and... Yeah, yeah for like 13 so, so, different people. Yeah. yeah. It's so nuts. Haven't had to do one of those since. Thank God. I guess I did a chemistry read for... Fire Island, but it was way lower stakes. Got it. Um, it was just like in Greenpoint, you yeah. know what I mean? So tested, and then like that day they called me and were like, yeah, it's it's going to be you. And I just like couldn't believe it for like the next year and a half of my life. I couldn't believe it. Wow. And, so, yeah. and that took you to L.A.? 
Yeah, I went to LA to shoot the pilot, and then I went back to shoot the rest of the series. It, so it was pilot, and then picked up the series. Yeah, it was like a long. That's what's crazy is that for a lot of people that was just like a blip on their radar. But for me, it was like that was almost like two years or more of my life. So um, pilot happened, and then it's like a year and a half waiting before. No, it oh, was okay. pilot happened, and then I think it was like f- maybe three, four, five months of waiting. Then it was like, okay, now you're going to come out and shoot. So then it was going out and shooting, and then it was waiting for the release, which became a very complicated experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you talk about why? Or? Yeah. Uh, if, no, it's just um, – it's really sad because the the conversation that was happening then that I think really complicated the release of that show is a conversation that we are now – horrifyingly having again about gun violence in schools. Mm -hmm. I think that the writers expected the piece to be a satire. And instead it was, uh, I mean, a beat for beat depiction of what was actually happening in the country. And if you view it as that, if you view it as a realistic television, it's of course very insensitive. Nobody now looking back, nobody now could have predicted would well, or would write a script like satirizing gun violence in schools because it's like it's just not the fact that it's still happening. There's no yeah. no power to be made to 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 making a point in that way about that subject. I mean, it's really telling that you know. Obviously, the show got shredded here in the states, particularly my performance. It shouldn't go without saying. Oof. And in other countries, they were sort of like, yeah, it's just kind of like a charming, provocative little show set in a high school because those countries like did what they needed to do yeah, to make they, sure that they their children the reforms, weren't going to be... Sh- yeah. And I'm not saying, like, um, you know, Heather's was the most brilliant performance or brilliant um, television show of its time or that I didn't deserve some of the the knocks I got on my performance, but it's just really telling that that was, like, uh, however many years ago, the better part of a decade ago, and it's things haven't really changed at all yeah. in regards to that. In in a more positive way, do you feel like that was your film school? Like, you you know, learning, like, I mean, I don't know if at, at, at your program they did so, no, on-camera classes. They did, but yeah. not, not to the extent that would have prepared me for Heather's. And, yeah, I think it was, unfortunately. Um, you just, like, realize that there's... You think it's straightforward that you're just basically going to go and a camera is going to be pointed at you and you're right. just going to act Coverage like you would usually act. Yeah. And it's so much more complicated than that almost all of the time. Even scenes that it, you're, you're like, well, this is just a conversation between two people. It can't be that. Yeah. It must be pretty straightforward to film this, right? It's like, no, that's almost never the answer. <laughs> Which is part of now for me, part of the joy of the job is like it's putting up every scene is like putting a puzzle together and figuring out how to overcome the sort of like technical barriers of cameras and lighting and like coverage and like camera angles and piecing the scene together from that at the time though, it was like very intimidating, of course. And, and that uh, got you in sack, right? It did. Yeah. 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 That's how I joined the union. It's how I secured more, more comprehensive representation for myself, which is of course a really important part of yeah. the equation as an actor. And um, yeah, it was definitely, and look, honestly, the release of that show I loved all of the people I worked on it with, and I wouldn't trade that experience for anything because it's such a big part of who I am today. And I also, again, do stand by, especially the crime of that was like uh, taking me out of it. So many people gave really beautiful, like fun, star-making performances on that show, and they just kind of went unappreciated. But it, for my development as an entertainer, that all going the way that it did – 
definitely instilled in me the very important lesson of like, you shouldn't expect anything in this industry. Like it just sometimes will not go the way you expect it to. And that's important. You know, I feel like I left that job and went on to you like. So you stayed in L.A.? Uh, no, I moved back to New York. Okay. Um, so if, how long of a gap was there between uh, Heathers and you? Uh, like a year and a half. It's hard to keep track because yeah, like, I know the end plan. of the Heather yeah. experience became sort of so like it's happening, it's not happening, it's happening, it's not happening. It's hard to like track when that ended for me. Probably about a year, year and a half. And Did um, you know you season one? Because at first it was on what, – wasn't it on Dis- – uh, in no lifetime. Lifetime, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then they sold it to Netflix. I hadn't really. I hadn't experienced it. I'd read the book a long time ago, and I really enjoyed the book. Yeah. Um, and I was sort of peripherally aware of the show, and was maybe like, "Oh, I'll get around to watching that eventually." Then they sent me the sides for the second season. I was like, "This is interesting." And then I watched the first episode of the show, and was like, "Wow, this is really good." Yeah. Like this is really good. It's really beautifully shot. It's beautifully acted. They're making. They're really successfully translating the experience of the novel onto the screen. And so then I was like, oh, I have to nail this. So I taped with my friend Lucas. He just was very patient, and we worked very hard on it. And then I submitted the tapes. And then that casting office, David Rappaport was somebody who I had gone in for a couple of times. And, you know, I think the the relationship between like actors and casting directors that they go in for all the time is like such a beautiful thing. I think when the relationship develops there, that that casting director is like really just looking for the right slot, right? Just being like, I want to, I want to put you in there. Yeah. I want to put you on the field. I just like, don't know, you know, because it's uh, to put you to cast you in a show where you're not going to shine would be a disservice. So I think they are often waiting and, David and you had earned the stripes on Heather's, you know, regardless of what I think they were like, yeah, I'm sure he and actually I remember a moment I think about a lot. Greg Berlanti. So it's I booked the show. I booked the show. Uh, I'm very excited. I go to meet with the writers uh, in Los Angeles at the Warner Brothers lot. I'm in the in the writer's room. And then this man walks in and he's like, hi, I'm Greg. And I'm like, nice to meet you, Greg. And then it sort of clicks in my brain. And I'm like, that's Greg Berlanti. Like. Biggest now yeah. entertainment, like him I, and Ryan like, Murphy yeah, are in. You true, know? Yeah, and, and yeah, he's just getting yeah. hit, like his like entertainment empire. I don't know if that that sounds no, weird, but like it, that's what yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. is only getting bigger, and it's really exciting to see. I think he has is such. I think he's kind of a genius. Honestly, he is he's genius. like very yeah. shrewd. Um, he knows what he's doing, and he makes so much solid content. So. I'm, like, very taken aback. I was like, yeah. oh, my God, I had no idea he was going to be here. Um, hi. Yeah. <laughs> like, Greg Berlanti. This man who – it's one of those things where you hear somebody's name over and over again, but it's not like I'm Googling these people, looking them up. And you never think – like, it, in entertainment, it seems like those people must just be, the like, a like They a exist in a different universe. Yeah, 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 just yeah, like totally. yeah. declaring yeah. bookings down onto us mortals. But, no, he was there, and he was very sweet, and something he said was – you know, I really don't think Heather's got its due. And looking back, I think people are going to reflect on the talent that I've introduced to the world and see it differently, maybe. I don't know about that because, again, you know, it's – Very sweet, we though. Have, yes. You never get time, that from people like that. No. Yeah. I was, like, so touched. And also to, you know, Melanie Fields, Jasmine Matthews, Brendan Scannell, uh, Grace Victoria Cox, a lot of the people, all of those people for sure, a lot of the people on that show have gone on to have very successful careers as actors. So just goes to show you – and, uh, you know, I mean, uh, here we are. Yeah. I don't think I'm doing too shabby for myself. 
So young, I guess the most important thing to synthesize from that phase of my life is if you experience horrible rejection early in your career, take the note and keep moving. That does not mean that you're not talented. No. It's, it's, it's important to build character. You don't want to be an entitled actor who's never had to try hard in their life because oh, there's no thing worse. Oh, God. Um, I can name them right yeah, now. Yeah, it's, it's an ever-growing yeah, list. Yeah. But, yeah, just like – you know, all of us triumphed above that, and you can too. And like, also like, critics just like, uh, critical review is such a complicated thing in this country now. So just don't take it personally. Keep doing you. But yeah, in the moment in time, I was like, thank you, Greg Berlanti, so much. So really you were it. you were in the Warner Brothers room for a, a screen test, a chemistry. No, that was I. They actually they didn't make me screen test for you, which was such a. I had one of those auditions. This is another thing to learn as an actor, where I flew myself out to Los Angeles for a producer callback with Sarah Schechter. Um, who, hi Sarah Schechter, I love you. Sarah Gamble, um, the showrunner who, hi Sarah Gamble, I'm obsessed with you. Um, and David and the rest of the casting office. And it was one of those auditions where I went in, I did the first scene, they were, they giggled and laughed and were like, great. I did the second scene and they were like, okay, thank you so much. And then I left and I was like, I fucking blew it. I flew all the way here to Los Angeles. They didn't give me any notes. They didn't ask me to change anything. I fucking blew it. I'm not getting the role. And then, you know. Same day? <laughs> what happened? No, 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 no. Okay. That one I had to wait yeah. for like two weeks and it was agony. And stay in LA? Uh, no. Oh, it, it, was, okay. it was, but I, when I found out I was in Los Angeles, I remember um, I, was, I was actually staying in my manager's house. Hi, Charles. I love you. And was like making breakfast in the kitchen and he was sitting out on the porch and I looked down at my phone and see that he's calling me. And I was like, ugh, and ignored it because I was like, I'm in your house. Yeah, Just come yeah. talk to me. And then he shouts from the porch, answer the phone. And so I pick up the phone and it's him and my agents being like, hey, you, you booked you. And it was a really wow. nice moment. And I just sort of like laid face down on the floor and like processed. Um, and also the, the first season being such a smash hit, so moving to yeah, Netflix. We were in the middle of that happening uh, while I was auditioning. Everyone was like, oh, my God, have you watched this show? You on Netflix is so incredible. And I was like, if I don't book this job. I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> you know, yeah, like I'm just yeah. going to be really bummed out yeah. and I'm going to wish that I had. So yeah. I hope that I do. And I did. So oh, amazing. Just to show you. So if you walk into an audition and they give you nothing but a smile, sometimes that's a great sign. Mostly because that translates into something that will happen on set a lot. Yeah. Sometimes you get one take. They watch it. They're like, that was really good. We're moving on. And that's a good thing. And if nobody comes from behind the camera to tell you that you did a good job, it's not because you didn't. It's because you did exactly what you needed yeah, to do. Yeah, there's nothing wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That was an adjustment for me. And for like a lot, like Victoria talks about that all the time. Victoria Pedretti, um, who's like <laughs> one of the most talented actors and, and of our generation. How, how was that? Working with her? Oh, insane. Like once I found out that she was on the project, first of all, I was like. You had seen The Haunting of Hill House? Yeah. Oh. And I was currently obsessed with it. Yeah. And of course, her finale monologue in that oh show. Oh my God. Cemented as one of the great performances of television of all time. Sorry, sound guy. She's so good. Um, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. she's incredible. And she um And Penn is too. Shout out Penn. Yeah, yeah of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. And he has, you know, yeah. he has the hard job of being the backbone of that show. And, and and delivering voiceovers and just reacting that are gonna come in post. He Okay, so Victoria, iconic. I'm working with her, it was amazing. Something about Penn I want to mention is good acting is a lot about being specific, yeah. right? Vague acting on camera is hard to watch. Penn, in those moments where it's just him. 
like making faces basically over like 45 seconds of internal dialogue was so specific about where am I looking? What am I thinking? How are you guys covering it? How are we telling the visual story with my face? He was so, so like just something to learn there. You know what I mean? And that's why it works because you're watching him give those performances while the voiceover is playing and they're perfectly in sync because he was not – he was not settling for anything less than he was like. It's, he recognized how important those like little bits would be, and he was like not going to rest until they were I, perfect. I've always been curious. And I don't know if you can answer it. Are they reading them to him? Yeah. At, okay. His stand-in yeah. would stand sort of off to the side, or whoever was there. Sometimes yeah. it was uh, scripty, and they would read them. And I will say, it was sometimes weird as the other actor that you're like staring at pen, making faces in silence, and somebody not on set is reading dialogue that you know you can't hear. Yeah. So you're like. What would Forty be doing during this long pause in the conversation? Like you're just staring at Penn, waiting for him to start talking again. Um, which why is why it was funny. Like later in the season, they put in a little joke about like um, it's really creepy when you go all quiet like that, <laughs> which I so appreciated because it was like, wouldn't I notice? Like, yeah, wouldn't I say something? Totally. But yeah, both Penn and Victoria, and again, everybody who worked on that show. My only regret about that season is that like me and Carmela didn't really get any any mm. scenes together. I got a couple of really great scenes with Jenna Ortega, who, uh, much like Victoria, truly one of I think the most competent, lovely actresses like I've ever ever worked with. It's such an inspiration to see somebody so young who yeah. is so self possessed and who like knows what she needs to do, goes out on set, does it is is so sweet to everyone there. She's somebody who I think is, like, we're going to continue to see in everything for a long time. Like you, man. Like like I said in the intro, you were so good in that Thank show. Thank you very much. Dude, the, it was so hyped up, and you come in, and it's— We did I, deliver. It was a weird pressure being like, whoa, the first season was so good, and everybody loved it. We yeah. really need I, to, I like— I guess it was—Victoria was new as well, right? Yeah. yeah, you know? She was less intimidated, though. You know what I mean? She was like—of course she got stressed sometimes, but she is really—as much as she'll be like— I hope that I'm giving them what they want. She really will just like fearlessly step in front of the camera and give like the performance. And it's been really satisfying, especially with the third season. No spoilers, but everywhere that she has to go in that season, seeing people continue to be like, wow, this girl is really something special because she is. Yeah. And and you are very much. And I'm curious. You'll figure out why I'm asking. What year did that air? 2019. 2019. <laughs> Just before every. Oh, no. To, yes. So yeah, it was to, right before December the December 26th of 2019. So yeah. basically 2020. Yeah. So then the, I, I, that's what I want to address. Is like you have this major show. You're amazing yeah. on it. People love your character. I'm sure there's no shortage of offers, I would I would hope, coming your way. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. We're getting there. All right. Yeah. Cool. But then a lot of good of auditions. Yes. And, definitely and up the game. You know, in hindsight, a pandemic is coming. Yes. So did that... Did some things not come together because they were going to go and then pandemic ended it or, you know, talk before we get to Fire Island. I'm just curious. So like, well, so talk to me about your pandemic. Yeah, the pandemic was a little, I mean, what can I say? Yeah. Because it, it was on the spectrum of what everybody experienced during that time in history. I had a very, very easy, obviously speaking from inside my personal experience, yes, it was very confusing and unpleasant, but like, I just feel so lucky that I didn't lose anyone. I didn't, you know, I was never without a place to stay. I didn't get it until um, like late January of this year. I just was very, very fortunate in my experience of the pandemic. 
That said, for me, it was kind of like, you know, Heather's was this promise of like a kickstart to my career. And then for reasons out of anyone's control became very complicated. You then came around and it was like, finally, I'm in a show. People like the show. The show has come out. People are responding to it. People are appreciating my performance. I feel very validated. I feel very confident. And then COVID happened. And it was kind of like, again, just don't have any expectations. You just never know what's going to happen. And I also won't pretend that, like, I am very fortunate that I got to continue to audition for things during the pandemic. Obviously, there was, like, a learning curve of a couple of months of, like, adjusting to this, like, new landscape. But since we're at 41 minutes, jumping to Fire Island, an interesting thing about Fire Island is the first time I auditioned for it, I think, was, like, March of 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was going to be on Quibi and back when Quibi existed. Rest in peace, Quibi. I auditioned for it then, and then as like, a movie or not, is, or as a series. Well, as a movie, but on Quibi, everything gets released in like fifteen it, minute chunks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't like really hear anything for like a year and a half, and like uh, from Fire Island, from Fire Island, wow. and then it sort of came back around, and then I was sort of like, oh, what's happening with this? And then I realized, like, oh my god, now it's at Searchlight, and, and it's at that be time, Bowen had blown up on SNL. Yeah, yeah, and just, like, the whole job had gotten an upgrade. I think people had, like, recognized the, like, um, the potential of Joel Kim Booster's script, I think, yeah. attaching Andrew on. I don't – I should talk to him about the the finer points of that experience because, like, his guidance really, like, made the movie. The combination of, like, Joel's script and Andrew's direction and, like, their understanding of each other and the material as people is, like, what has made the movie what it is. And Bowen's, like – heartbreaking nuanced performance yeah. and Conrad just being like completely irresistible as Mr. Darcy and, and Tomas being hysterical and Matt Rogers giving the best one liners of all time. He's so funny. And like Nick Adams being a pitch perfect Cooper. And by the way, I, every time I do press, I have to say Nick Adams who plays Cooper in the film, one of the sweetest people in real life, Aww. like would never behave that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but he's so good at it. It's funny sitting through screenings. I feel like sometimes people don't even know how to react because he gives such a juicy, chilling yeah. performance that you're just like transfixed by the like horrible audacity of this person. It- and it, um, it's been interesting for me, you know, because, like, as a straight guy, mm-hmm. I feel like there was this mandate, you know, after 2017 mm-hmm. and then obviously during the pandemic, I, I think we saw a lot of it of, like, LGBTQ representation mm-hmm. and the need for mm-hmm. it. You know, at first they were just doing things, but they've been making great content and not just doing it to virtue signal. They've been doing it because it's authentic no, and it's real yeah. and it's, you know, that that, that community exists and it, it's a really good script. So when you – I mean, this is kind of an obvious question, but when you got it, did you know it was, like, that good? Because so much of movies come together later, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah. And, like, uh, well, there were huge changes from the Quibi script to the Searchlight script. Interesting. Um, And I do think, and I don't think Joel would think this was shady, but I do think that, like, the Searchlight script became, because he was no longer thinking about dividing it into, like, 15-minute segments. And and audience so much. Yeah. It became, um, right, I think Searchlight allowed him a little bit more wiggle room. And so I do think the script got stronger. And then reading it, like, coming back to it, I was like... Yeah, now more than ever, really, like, queer joy. Um, the market right now is just a little depressed in general, I think, because of the COVID of it all. Yeah. I think people want to watch stuff that makes Bright them happy. content, And again, yes. something yeah. we've returned to a lot in press is that, like, so many queer stories that have been told up till now 
have been very focused on the catharsis of like unpacking queer trauma. Yeah. And those stories are important and we need to keep telling them. But it's like that shouldn't be the only kind of entertainment available, especially to young queer people who need something, who need a light to look for. You yeah. know what I mean? So I think reading the script and being like, it's so silly and it's so unapologetic. And at the end, it is just like deeply happy in a very simple, sweet, earnest way. Yeah. After doing another thing that I think is so important, which is inspecting the ways, not that straight people are cruel to queer people, because we've seen a lot about that, yeah. but unpacking the ways that we're unfair to each other. I think... It's been really exciting being out on the island, giving like Cooper, giving that kind of person a name and a face has, I think, really empowered people on the island to feel like now they like know it when they see it and they can be like, we're not doing that anymore yeah. in 2022. Like Coopers are the butt of their own joke totally. and it's resenting be yeah, it's, yeah. We're just like not, it, I think yeah. people are galvanized yeah. to be like, we can expect more of ourselves as a community. And we're hopefully like, I hope that the movie makes a lot of people who feel like there wasn't a space for them on fire Island feel yeah. excited to go there. And when they get there, Really emphasizing as a community that people like that are like should not. It's like if that's if that's what you're bringing to a shared queer space, especially that's supposed to be a safe haven for all of us, don't come. And, and <laughs> had you had, if you don't mind me asking, your own experiences on Fire Island? I was really nervous to go to Fire Island when I was invited. My boyfriend was like, "I got a house this summer. Do you want to go?" And I definitely had. I know, like in the movie, I play Charlie, who has a is a very privileged experience of being a queer person. I am obviously white. I'm obviously male bodied. I've had a very privileged experience of being a queer person, but that doesn't mean I haven't had moments where I was like chastised or bullied or teased for not adhering to some like whatever. I, I actually, it's funny before I, just before I went the first time, I was like at a queer beach in Los Angeles and like elected to keep my shirt on, just like wasn't having a good day, was a little worried about the COVID of it all and just was kind of spinning out. And there was somebody there who just took it upon themselves to really make it an issue that I was keeping my shirt on. (laughs) And it's just like that stuff happens. And again, I'm not saying that that was like a deeply traumatic experience, but it's like we're still doing this. Like just let everybody fucking live. Be yourself. Any of us as queer people are lucky to be alive and lucky to be in a headspace and geographically in a literal place where we can gather together safely. So like if you're able – if you have the privilege of showing up to a space like that where you feel like you can safely be queer in the company of other queer people just like do not worry about what like what other people are how other people are expressing their queer joys just none of your business just like you know cut each other some slack and also when you see that behavior don't be afraid to course correct that person because you know know. it's important to do so yeah and and when did you guys film we filmed um God, when do we film? August and September of last year. And yeah. was it as fun as it looked? It was. I think we felt the pressure of being like, this is an important story. And if we're going to tell it, we need to do it well. Studios and networks are still not giving like just huge space to queer stories. Right. I think for Searchlight and Hulu, maybe – I don't know how they felt about it, I, but I, perhaps it felt like a bit of a gamble to bet on this very 
sort of like because Hollywood for so long sweet did yeah. the broke back queer for straight people yeah, yeah. it it's yeah our yeah. target audience was not straight people which is huge um right yeah. and and also we weren't telling a story that was like already a familiar carved road totally. in, in the canon of queer cinema that definitely weighed on us while we were on the island i think we were definitely aware of how lucky we were to be there and the opportunity we were being given and also just like the pressure as a queer person to be exceptional in general i think it, it oscillated between being like such an amazing affirming time and then being like, Oh my God, what is going on? Like, is it yeah. going well? Like you said, movies come together later. I think at the time we were all sort of like, is are, it working? Are, are, yeah, yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And we, we did. That's and I, you know, I've seen the movie multiple times now. And I, again, a lot of it is like Andrew just understanding visually how to tell a story and like finding the strengths of his actors and like accentuating and finessing those in the edit. But I'm really, really proud of what we made. And it seems like being back on the island and just, like, looking at the response on social media, other people are really proud of what we yeah, made, Yeah, you're incredible in it. And, and was Thank it nice you. to get away? You know, because 40 operates at such a high <laughs> energy level. Was it nice to kind of be able to... <laughs> it was yeah, nice to yeah. be a sweetie for once. Yeah. On set, it sometimes, because my job was... I wasn't supposed to be, like, hysterical like the other girls in the cast. And my job was just sort of to be, like, earnest and sweet. Sometimes... On set, it felt like, am I doing anything? Yeah. 40 was every scene. It was like, you're swinging a knife around and you're doing coke and you're drinking. Snapping a pen. And like, yeah, exactly. In Fire Island, it was just like I sort of entered and also like frequently, obviously, Charlie was made to feel kind of flustered and awkward. Yeah. And on set, it's kind of difficult to distinguish between like being flustered and awkward as the character and being flustered and awkward as, as a person. Yeah. I was like, oh, God. Yeah. I, oh. Yeah. So, yeah, but it was then watching it back, it's like we all understood the assignment. And I don't know if you saw something that's happened today. It was like the first thing I saw when I woke up is there was some feedback uh, that the movie got that we failed the Bechdel test. I don't know um, what that is. Uh, <laughs> forgive my ignorance. No, so Alison Bechdel, uh, as like a way of assessing film, was like, does the movie have any scene where two women are alone together on screen discussing something that is not um, a man? That's not like about their relationship with men or their orientation via men. So that's like just a way of like looking at a movie and being like, are there any feminist undertones in this film? So people were like, this film doesn't, um, which is because it was like a story about like two queer Asian men and yeah. their experience on the island. That wasn't really the point. But so like that response, people sort of were like, every movie can't tell every story. And the story that this movie was telling was already groundbreaking and special to a lot of people. Yeah. So we don't need to then like hold a meter stick up to it yeah. and be like, sorry. And that was very much the response from people online. And then I guess this morning or last night, Alison Bechtel, as in the Bechtel test, tweeted, like, I've made a corollary to the Bechtel test that is, like, basically she gave the film her endorsement and was, uh, like, I'm not going to allow my, yeah. like, my assessment to be used to damage this film that I think is wonderful. Amazing. Yeah. And that, reading that was, like, such a, and all of that happening on Twitter, which we were, like, what is Twitter going to do with yeah. this movie? What are they going to think? The fact that Twitter was coming to our defense and that it became a celebration of a place of celebration of the film was so it was a great way to start the day. That's all I'll say. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. You so were much. so incredible in that. Yeah. And, and I'm so curious to talk to you about what do you want to do next? 
Because I, I know you got two projects that you probably can't talk about. Well, no, I can talk about Julio, the Untitled Julio Torres project. I'm very excited about it. I okay. think it's much like every other thing he has ever given us. Is it? Is it that's the one with Tilda, right? Yes. Yeah. It's special yeah. and interesting Swinton, and fun. Tilda Swinton, by the way, name dropping. Yes. <laughs> Icon of yeah, stage and screen, yeah, Tilda yeah. Swinton. I think people are really, really, really going to love it, and I think it's just going to be yet another And you're edition. in that now? Yes. Okay, uh, cool. Oh, well, I was. Oh. We filmed just after I finished Fire Island. We sort of – they started pr- principal photography for that. That's going to be coming out uh, relatively soon, sometime in the next year, I believe. Um, although don't <laughs> don't hold me to that. Yeah, everything changes. I yeah. have no fucking idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny when you're an actor, people think they're emailing you on every update, and it's like they're not. No, you like probably two or three months before the premiere get a premiere date. You don't even know if you're gonna the scene you shot's gonna be in the thing. Say you know? that. <laughs> yeah. Don't take that personally. Either. Yeah, it's just not about you. You know it's what the I mean? Editor. It's yeah. the, it's it's making the story. They cut a lot of stuff from Fire Island, and honestly, I think wow. watching the movie now, it being like as fast and effective as it was and just yeah. sort of clipping along I think we're all like yeah that was the right decision you know Got every it. scene has to serve a narrative purpose and you don't want things to be redundant anyway so yes Untitled Julio Torres Project and then the thing I'm working on now it's a show called Titans it's on HBO Max I can't Congrats, really tell you huge. thank you very much uh, Teen Titans was like a huge deal for me as a young person so now being on Titans is yet this another the reimagining thing. of it it's the live action version uh, of got it, it, got it, got um, it. is like such a dream come true like 13 year old James is kicking himself he cannot believe it he's so excited and proud of me which is a nice feeling to have um i can't really tell you anything about what i'm doing on the show but it's been a lot of fun and i well, love we'll, that we'll keep our eye out and that it. creative team it's another berlanti property and again he just knows what he's doing and he and he um, likes he likes you i want to believe so yeah he does you know discover me my name's ryan Perez. you can look me up greg he I, seems really sweet <laughs> yeah and then after this i think you know again it's like there was a time in my life where i thought i would never be able to play a queer character and now i've played several do you want to play straight like I don't know. I did it for 16 you're years. You're a very good-looking guy. Early you can, on in my career, <laughs> you could play Superman. You know, like okay, yeah. it was to play a superhero. Yes. Here's the thing. Yeah. Here's my thing. And and and, and, and I don't, I don't mean to sound ignorant by asking no. that no, question. No, 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 Please. no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I want to do all sorts of different things yeah. as an actor. But if the assignment is you just need to like move your hands less and deepen your voice. Be- not as and there's no source of like why the character would be doing that you're just like saying that to me because you're like straight men even just like average normal run-of-the-mill straight men have to behave a specific way and because of the way you look this is the way you have to play the character i'm not doing that anymore i'm not gonna re-closet myself to play just some straight guy where it's like okay why does this straight man have a deep just voice to play straight. Why, yeah. yeah i don't yeah. That's not, again, the hat on the hat of it all. It's just, like, not a journey I'm interested in taking. It's also so funny because the reaction to 40 was so split on what people thought his sexual identity was. It's all so subjective. Yeah. It just, like, I'm and not— And they never really clarified no, it. Yeah. because they don't fucking yeah. need to yeah. is the other thing. Yeah. I'd also love to play characters where, like— their sexual identity it is just, like, matter. not really relevant yeah. to the story. Yeah. And they just, like, maybe exist, like— ambiguously as queer people but it yeah. doesn't have to be like fed down the audience's throat because yeah. um, I'm no longer meeting people and being like hi I'm James and I'm gay you know what yeah. I mean it just doesn't need to be doesn't need to be so on the nose but to play Superman I mean I think we're pretty deep in that canon I don't know that there's going to be an opportunity well they're for that rebooting it now so you're joking just the Superman movies well I I, I know DC's going to do a show so I think oh, there's a, yeah, yeah but not with Henry Cavill it, that is uh, out of I 
I've heard, I've heard things. I've heard things. <laughs> we don't know. Like yeah, we said, yeah, we don't yeah, know. Yeah. It might um, be him. I, I yeah. would play. Yeah. I would play straight to play a superhero. Although, again, I would rather play like whoever the villain is, who hopefully has like horns and yeah. shoots lasers out of, of his course. eyes. You know Way what I mean? Way more fun. Yeah. Way more fun. Comic book villain. Comic book villain. That's what I would love to do next. Totally. Yeah. You're incredible. Please come back when <laughs> Titans and, yeah. and the Taurus Project. Be so lovely. I can talk to you all day. Yeah. Uh, Thank I, you for having I me. end this interview on every interview with the same question and i apologize because i know it's a deep one but for it for you know the young james out there and and all the young people listening you know gay straight Uh you know trans what you but let's just make it all artists in general 100 percent who are coming you know we're still not really out of a pandemic Mm -hmm. and they feel very lost and Mm -hmm. and maybe they can't come out of the closet or maybe they're straight they just want to enter this business and they have no idea how any advice you might have yeah i would say um you know uh first of all just really really be yourself we are more and more entering an era where people want to see television that has that quality of a person bringing their authentic self to imaginary circumstances um so don't don't limit yourself or your creativity or your craft by being like oh, well, I think they want this smaller, less interesting version of me, so that's what I'll try to be. Don't do that. Don't do that, especially not if you're queer. Because you, if you're queer in the world today, you probably have a really interesting story to tell, and people probably need to hear it. So don't don't ever dim your light. And um, take classes, you know? I know it's hard. Things are so expensive. So expensive. So expensive. There's definitely a paywall around the industry right now, and it's, I mean, I don't know. There are There are... Places you can find where you can get access to that kind of education for like less expensive, but it is it's like a hard truth about yeah. the industry that it's it's an expensive thing to be an actor, even though so often we make not very much money. Yeah. Um and just, you know, if it's important to you, a lot of people issue that advice that it's like, if you're good at anything else, do that. I don't really think that's very helpful. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. If, if it's important to you, we only have so much time on this planet. Make Enjoy the bet it. on yourself. Yeah. Believe in yourself. Do the thing. If it really feels important to you that you're like, I'm an actor, I want to be an actor, and I think that I have something to say, like, try. Try. Yeah. And um, and don't be ashamed or afraid if it doesn't work out or if it's difficult because it's always going to be and uh, just, you know, be gentle with yourself. And especially if you're a queer person, my number one thing, because this is something that I've really found with the Fire Island cast, is find a community of other artists that believes in you and then support each other. That's what we have to do as queer people, but especially as queer artists. Just, like, find people whose work excites you and 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 be present and, and a positive force in their life. And, like, one day you might end up in a gay movie with all of your friends. <laughs> James Scully, man, I am so proud of you. Thank I'm so you grateful much. to you being here. You have an incredible future. I hope Thank we get to work so together much. one day. Yeah, and, yeah. and dude, you're fucking badass. And, and let's hang in the neighborhood sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, right. guys. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.